folders. I have portfolio folders full of drawings. Some of them have never been made public of wow. beings from other planets that either showed up at the house or we got introduced to outside somewhere or the Ponte gave us a telepathic image and corrections. Oh, I'd love to see those. Sue has a group on Facebook called, what's the group called, Sue? Sandia Mountain. Twitter um, is at Sandia Wisdom, all one word. But I'd love to see those uh, sketches of the other ETs that you've done. Could you post those on Twitter or Facebook? I'd love to see them. I can, um, they have given us uh, things to post in groups kind of thing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was the Ia. We posted pictures of not only uh, Ia that were bald and did not have their head covered, but to show the size of the skull, but also modern Ia wearing head coverings so that you were not aware of how elongated the skulls were. Welcome to the Inner Sanctum online group sessions with Karen Swain. This recording is some highlights from our two to three hour online sessions where I teach deliberate creation each week and once and sometimes twice a month, we invite a guest teacher to share their wisdom and their work and we can quiz them and we have a lovely time. Enjoy the highlights and if you'd like to join us, please go to karenswain.com slash inner sanctum and sign up. Hello and welcome to another session in the Inner Sanctum with our very special guest, teacher Sue Walker. Hey, Sue. Hey. Great to have you back. We've had Sue on the show a couple of times and in the Inner Sanctum, this will be your second time. And for people that don't know Sue, I'm sure everybody does, but Sue has been an internationally renowned clairvoyant psychic medical intuitive for over three decades and is a long-time experiencer. In the past several years, Sue's been translating for a group of the Star Nation people from the Zeta Reticuli 2 who call themselves the Ponti, spelled P-apostrophe-N-T-I from, and I think, Sue, they said to you that their planet is called Pontel in English, Mm -hmm. right? Correct. Correct. And they've been on Earth for probably hundreds of thousands of years. Thousands. thousands they um gardeners of intellect they call themselves who operate out of a base underneath the sandia mountain on the eastern edge of albuquerque albuquerque new mexico and sue assisted in the first known collaboration with these beings on a basic training manual called the telepathy primer 101 primer or primer mm-hmm. say primer or primer primer Primer. Um, old English word for school book, beginner's school book, or primers in one-room schoolhouses. Oh, I didn't know that. And you've also got a book out called Inviting E.T. with your partner, Reverend White Otter, mm-hmm. who is not online with us today. We've already started yakking about the pond here. I've got a question for you. There's so much disclosure stuff coming out now, Sue, and uh, with all of it in the UFO communities, people are talking about the um, the crash. Um, you've probably been asked this before, I'm sure, I'm sure on many shows, but the crashed, what are they called, like UFOs, ships? Craft? 
craft, there you go, craft, in the 40s and the 50s. And mm-hmm. they had some bodies. And as I look at the way people describe, like the Ponty are these sort of short, grey, humanoid-looking ETs, but mm-hmm. they're not, they're quite, they're quite human-looking in that they have yes. human faces. Yes. And as I've been listening to some of the disclosure from that time, they called them the Ebens. Like the Ebens is the name the humans gave them. I think it stands yeah. for uh, extra, anyway, that's just some. Extra biological entity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are they the Ebens? Are the Ponte the Ebens? All right. So then we have to go back to one, there were multiple crashes mm-hmm. in this state and eastern Arizona, but especially in New Mexico, in uh, there was a crash not far from Roswell two years before Roswell. And I listened to the gentleman who was a nine-year-old boy at the time of the crash and went to go see what went down in their uh, field, which I guess it would be an acreage. They were uh, in a cattle pasture that was quite large. And this craft crashes on their property. They ride to go see what it is that's happened and not only see this big, long divot in the ground, but also the shape of the ship and the hole in the side and the occupants injured and or running around screaming with a high-pitched sounding voice that reminded them of rabbits being hurt. And the ship, according to these seven and nine-year-old boys at the time, was shaped like an avocado or ovoid. That was their word for it. That was Ponte. Um, the, there are two other sites that I know of. One was Ponte, one was not, but was another Zeta type. Okay. In the northern part of northeast New Mexico, there is another Zeta um, uh, facility that is not an information station. And likely it was one of their ships trying to get home. Mm-hmm. But um, when I look at and ask the Ponte directly about Roswell and some of the other crashes, they give me a yes. In in some of them, but not all of them. I'll put it that way. So the crash that happened two years before Roswell was most certainly them. Right. Yeah, there's some photographs coming out online of some dissections, um, I think like way back in 1947. And it's just, it's just that the, the Ebens, the way that people are describing them, are very human-like looking, whereas there are many greys that are not so human looking in mm-hmm. their facial features, like they have no nose and like just a slip for a mouth, and whereas the Ponte have more of a human face as you... As more you, expressive. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. mind you, the one yeah. behind me doesn't look. <laughs> Who's that behind me? That's Peter. 
PETA actually does have more of a ridge to the nose, but I think when we copied for the book, it whited it out a little bit. <laughs> but he's one of the friendliest of the younger set of uh, staff members over there that would be in their oh, 40s, 50s, and 60s, I guess. So since your contact with them, and uh, we went over how that happened in other shows, if you want to go back. So you started dating, uh, you know, Reverend White Otter, and you went to his place, and they started yakking to you. And and, you and said, him. Uh, well, yeah, they were, had always been yakking to him, but you were a bit scared to sort of say to him, I've got these people yakking in my head. <laughs> and he said, oh, yeah, those guys, they never shut up. So since, since that your contact with them, uh, is this like the first time, because they live for a lot longer than we do, mm-hmm. is this the first time that they're really interacting with humans since they've um, been on Earth? No. All right. There are records of some of the Zeta uh, species uh, interaction with earlier people here on Earth that go back farther than our records go, meaning they would almost have have to have been the last age of man, whenever that was. They indicate that those records go back 30,000 years. Mm -hmm. And that's a time period that saw more star nation interaction in a positive way than, say, five to 10,000 years ago. Right, yeah. So uh, when we asked the Ponte how long they've been in this specific facility. They've got records that go back to the end of the last ice age. Mm. And so it's the records they have on earth go back longer than that, but the use and retrofitting of this facility goes back to the end of the last ice age. Because they found a tunnel system that already existed. A tunnel system that already existed because so they're really here more for Gaia for Earth and rather than for humanity, right? They're really here to mm, they're uh, here for both. I think that I think it would be fair to say that we are of great interest to them. Um, the Ponte and some other star nations have been helping Earth humans and watching us grow as a planetary culture for several thousand years Mm -hmm. and yet here they've been watching and watching and suddenly our our sun is going to go through its bad patch right at the same time that we're reaching outside of our own atmosphere and having those two things collide at the same time and understanding or at least admitting to the public that not only are visited are we being visited by one star nation, we're being visited by dozens mm. on a daily basis. Mm. And I think somebody somewhere deemed that in this 
place and time, our public wasn't ready to hear that yet. Mm-hmm. And so it got kept quiet. In other time frames, there was star nation interaction on Earth. Yeah. In other locations, there was, historically. So I'm, I know that our friends are here not only for Gaia, for the planet, but they're here because they know that our entire world is about ready to go through a mel of a hess. Yeah. Okay. It's just going to topsy-turvy be bass backwards. When you think about historically what our sun has done and what it's about to do, timing-wise, we're just right on that edge. Mm-hmm. And it's starting. And they can't stop it, and we can't stop it, and our world's going to reset. And they're trying to make sure that something of our culture is safe. And hopefully the best of our culture. And that may include the best people. Now, how you choose that and all of that, I can't tell you because I haven't had those discussions either with the Ponte or anybody in the Federation. Yeah. But they're concerned at the speed at which our son is displaying extreme behavior. They thought they might have another three to five years. And hopefully things not go topsy-turvy until close to the end of this solar cycle. But it seems to be ramping up hard, fast, and strong right at the beginning at the moment. Yeah, I was listening to your conversation on, on Third Eye Salon with Kat Linder and Jillian. Mm-hmm. Was Jillian there that day? I don't think Jillian was there that day. But anyway, and um, you said, um, like you were saying a lot about climate change, which was pretty scary, and you were saying to me before that you were channeling it basically in the moment. It was stuff that you were hearing for the first time too as you were ch- chatting to the guys on Third mm-hmm. Eye Salon, right? That's correct. Um, when I translate for them, and it's not channeling as much as it's I hear what you cannot hear and try and translate on the fly and keep up with them, okay? And if they use a phrasing that you wouldn't understand, then I have to quick think of something that might be the equivalent, shoot them an idea, and then translate. So there's a back-and-forth process going on for accuracy. But it really, truly is hearing for me and saying, from another live being that's in a 3D physical form. Yeah. That's the difference with channeling. Channeling can also include the incorporeal unseen world folks that don't have a body right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, telepathy um, pretty much distinguishes you're in communication with a an individual who does their understanding of communication mind to mind instead of mouth to ear yeah there's so much we have to learn about telepathy i've been thinking about this a lot lately and i gave you know i gave everyone uh in this group a a bit of a, a bit of homework i wonder who did the homework to to practice some telepathy and so you can practice that with your children you can practice that with your cats your dogs your animals or your friends and partners uh, so let me just change the room. Keep it simple. 
keep it very simple. Your message to a kitten that's been separated from its family is, it's okay here. We're here with you too. We'll be your family. It's okay. You'll be loved. You'll be careful. And when a mama kitten wants to calm down a baby kitten, she will lick it all over until it squirms, mom, and tries to get away. Okay. So keeping in physical contact with the kitten and trying that as you send a message is not necessarily a bad thing to do. It's because that's what mama cat might do. So I would say, think in terms of your emotional message. And you don't have to think in words. You just have to think and have your intent be that heartfelt emotional stuff. The words can come later when you guys get better at it and you in each other's presence and you keep working at it, you'll get better at it. But you're dealing with essentially a, a, a one or two year old. If you had spoken the same way to a one or two year old human, they wouldn't get it either. Okay. So keep it simple right now. Understand the age of your audience and what they've just gone through. Right. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is what I was going to say. With all the sci-fi movies that we've had for like years, you know, 50, 60 years, whatever, 70 years, never, ever in any of them do they say that communicating with um, star nation beings involves telepathy. Even I was watching the Close Encounters uh, scene on YouTube yesterday where they meet the aliens and they, they use the music, you know, do, 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 their music. And they never, ever in Hollywood at least talk about how important developing our psychic abilities, all aspects of our psychic abilities is in reconnecting to our star nation family. So for me, I think this is the most important thing that we need to know is to develop our psychic, intuitive, telepathic abilities, um, not only for connecting with star nation people, but connecting with each other, our empathy and everything. Anyway, was, did Diane have a question? question. Yeah, Telepathy sorry. can be words that you hear. It can be words with a picture, either still or moving. It can be words with a picture and a location and a distance and a time and a place. Oh, it can be all that and the feelings on top and of it of okay. the people that were involved with the situation in the circumstance at the time and the place. So what you get is the complete surround sound experience, for lack of a better way to say it. Okay. You get it the way that individual is trying to send it to you as their experience. So if they are trying to send to you a hello, it would come with their feelings. Mm. Are they shy? Are they aggressive? Are they friendly? Are mm -hmm. they patient? Are they demanding? And they may or may not send to you an image of themselves. If they do, what's the body language look like? 
don't forget you still have to keep your discernment and skepticism intact and make sure that you're walking into a safe situation with any stranger from an unusual source, place, time, or space. I'll put it that way. When you have a telepathic experience with someone, after you have repeat contact with that person time after time for two, three weeks, 30 days, you begin to recognize their telepathic energy signature and it's that specific individual whose telepathic voice you recognize or ping you recognize. And so you begin very naturally with the practice to learn more through interaction with another individual, not just the words. It's, I go through and think about some of the more unusual conversations I've had with the Ponte, realizing that they've sent me schematics and things that I don't begin to understand, but it was part of their experience. And so it was like a postcard of the place or the thing that they wanted me to understand. We've had some lengthy conversations about all kinds of topics not only are the Ponte, as Karen said, gardeners of, uh, you said gardeners of intellect? Yeah. Yeah. They're cultural explorers, guys. They're not here because they want to mine all of our gold or they want to take all of our diamonds or they want to take our planet for their own. They're trying to understand how we evolved over the last several thousand years from when we were still really struggling to do the food, clothing, shelter stick to now. And everything that happened culturally to us in between. Um, So gardeners of intellect, but cultural explorers as well. When I said they're trying to save the very best things of ours that they can find, that includes our literature and our dance and our music. It's, It's the very most favorite parts of our culture that we share in common, either as a continent or a country. But they're looking for the best of the best. And they're trying to have it represent the whole of the planet, not just any one specific group. It made a lot more sense to me why they traded with the early Pueblo peoples, the Native Americans from the desert southwest. They used to trade them seeds back and forth. They wanted to know what did well here, what was beautiful here, what was growing here. And they traded back seeds that they thought would do well here. And they introduced us, or this area, to other seeds 
Yeah, they are. Awesome. Okay. Um, as far as energy signatures, when you were talking, Sue, about telepathy, it's like um, information comes with a feeling or an emotion and you can distinguish different people through their energy signature. Mm-hmm. I first had the, I, I wouldn't have called it that at the time, but um, back when, oh God, it's over 20 years ago now. I can't even remember. But anyway, it's over 20 years ago now. I think it was in 2000. Yeah, it was in 2000. Um, my best friend committed suicide and I was in the shower one day and mm. my, mother, my mother came to visit me, right? And it was the clearest uh, experience I've had with spirit ever, 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 in that I saw her face initially. I was sitting in the bottom of the shower just having a bit of a break, just letting the water run over me and just I just relaxed. Oh, I just want to have a break because I was really busy. I had stuff to do. And there she was. And I tried to shoo her away because <laughs> I was busy and I didn't want to get involved. But she gave me this energy that I've never been able to explain and energy signature wraps it up it was like she was in the room with me again I could smell her I could feel her there was this essence of her that was so present with me in that moment and I've never really been able to explain it I'm just thinking about you talking about energy signature it was like that recognition of her energy yeah good way to say it that's a really excellent explanation for what kind of overwhelms you in the moment that first wave and it can be life-changing it can be so strong um you experienced your mother uh we have other uh people around the world in several countries who have experienced our uh uh friend rudy uh who is a gal and she's just gracious and lovely, but they say their very first interaction with her was such overwhelming love that they couldn't hardly handle it. They'd never, they didn't even know that much love ever even existed, mm-hmm. much less got hit with it from an extraterrestrial. Right. So they will it's it's one of those kind of energy signature things that is so different than our normal everyday world that it stands out to you yeah and yeah and attention to those little differences is exactly. really important and solid gold exactly and vladdy says here i'd love to learn that to learn to recognize people and beings by their energy signatures since i'm not good with names you know i want to say to you vladdy that we do that I mean, the fact that I was speaking to mum, mum had been long dead at that point. It's like when you're with somebody, you are already tapped into their energy signature, but you don't understand it as that because you just think you're looking at them, you're hearing them. Yes. You know, you just think that you're using your five senses, right, Sue? Yes, yes. And you're, you when, aren't taught that you do more than that. Right. And when they die and come back to you and then you feel their presence you get an understanding because you have, it feels like you're with them because you get an under like that's how I'm um, unpacking this today because that experience of mum being with me while I was in the shower was like I was in the room with her. But, I, you know, I'd never sort of thought about how being with someone, you've got that energy identity, that energy signature, how that feels until they sort of pass and then they're missing 
or maybe even if they're on the other side of the planet and you're having a telepathic communication with them, you've got that incredible surround sound experience of them with you, even though they're not, yeah, they don't have to be dead for you to speak to them like that. But That's right. That's right. And that's where we have a telepathy group that's formed online of the Twitter followers that has had such success Mm -hmm. that the last time I spoke with them in their uh, nightly sessions and they meet every night and have a core group of people that do meet every night. And I don't know if it's for a half an hour or an hour, but they have become very good friends because they started this telepathy practice group. Now that group, all of those members are on Twitter saying, if you want to learn, I'm a teacher now. And the original group is now teaching others so that we've got, instead of five or six people in a setting, we've got five or six groups of five or six, all learning and practicing and having fun with each other, doing it all at the same time. And then those people will in turn have to make a choice if they become teachers. And so it doesn't take very many repetitions before it becomes a wave. And that's been initiated by the people in the telepathy practice group. It did not come from us, but these people are having their own conversations with the Ponte and learning things directly from them. And I think that's marvelous and crucial, honestly. It cannot all come from Otter and I. It must cross borders, boundaries, cultures, and the Ponte are trying to tell us that they're out there trying to learn about you and make friends with you. Yeah. So I'm feeling that you feel a little bit of pressure with this, Sue. Like you've got this, yeah. you've got this, like it's almost like when you and Otter leaves the planet, who's going to take the mantle? Who's going to take <laughs> up your work? Is that right? Is that what you're feeling? Um, it really is as we approach fall which has always been what they have maintained will be when oh official first contact happens yeah is they have always used the phrasing fall of 2021 they have not varied from it even when the trolls get on twitter and try and naysay them they have not varied a thing with us and so i would have to say we have been surprisingly devoid of information from them. And I think it's fair to say of the 100% of stuff to know about official first contact and Earth, I think we might know 1% of it. Mm. That's about it. We don't have all the information. So we don't know if they're going to come to designated areas and invite specific people. We don't know if it's going to be one big party with fireworks. I have no idea what they're planning, but it is something that will include um, all the other places on earth that they need to 
also visit. I guess I'll put it that way. It seems to me as if it's an ongoing event that continues to grow upon itself in some fashion, mm-hmm. like meeting the Ponte and all of this education from 2013 to now that we've shared with everybody. Um, all of that will continue to translate for them no matter how official first contact goes down because we know that historically the Ponte and a number of other nations helped when there was a disaster. And who did they help? They helped their friends. They helped the culture that they had provided assistance to or visited. And so I'm hoping that a lot of people who do make friends with the Ponte will get as much instruction as we would get if we were to be contacted to say, hey, everybody's going to go over here and meet, be there at such and such a day and time. I have no idea um, if that's what they're going to do or not going to do because they're keeping us in the dark. And as soon as we know anything, we'll let everybody else know. That's Mm -hmm. our job. But I think they have to get an okay from the Federation before they can release that information, Mm -hmm. is my only understanding. Yeah, so August, where are we? July, August, next month, next month. Gosh. End of next month is when the treaty expires. But fall of 2021 for us won't start until September 22nd, 23rd-ish. Okay. So... Okay, we have to remember that your fall is our spring. Mm-hmm. Spring, that's right. So when spring starts for you and fall starts for us, then that's what we're looking at as far as from then until uh, winter starts for us and until summer starts for you. So anytime in the season of spring for you or anytime in the season of fall for us, so things are going to hot, hot up with disclosure. I think so too, because of all the information that we kind of get as side information, side thoughts, things that we put together ourselves, they're all and not publicly sharing about other planned trips. Okay. They won't say what or where, but they act like kids who have successfully stole the cookies from the cookie jar and are heading out to their tree fort to eat them. It's one of those gleeful sorts of almost like somebody's planning a surprise party feeling. And yet we haven't yet pieced together what exactly they're up to. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm going to put it out there to everyone that's listening to this. Maybe you can tune in and get your puzzle piece so that we can put all the pieces together to see the full picture or at least more of the picture anyway. So that that's that's your that's your, that's your plan. So as I was listening to you and uh Kat and Linda, 
and you when you were like tuning in to what they were saying about climate change I was getting a lot of downloads too because I've been speaking to people for years years 20 odd years 25 years teachers and many of them have said that you know 50 60 years ago when they were kids they were given um, visions of a future of earth and like Lorna Byrne when she was a I think she was an eight-year-old she's in her 70s now 60s 70s I'm not sure how old Lorna is she um, the angels were showing her um, images of earth and this disastrous like what you're talking about like the Ponte is saying this is a disaster the earth um, big climate catastrophe and lots of disaster disaster but yet and uh, Susie Hansen said the same when she was a kid up on the ships the ETs were showing her probable and I say probable because they were showing a few different scenarios like a few different timelines there's not one right. set future set in stone and basically the message was <laughs> I remember one of them I can't remember who it was it might have been Lorna said what to do with this information I'm just a kid and I remember thinking I know being shown this as a kid would be like all this destruction and disaster it's like what am I supposed to do with this information but the the message was unless you guys clean up your act this is what's in store for you as mother Gaia resets and um and and then as you were talking to Linda and Kat I got this download because there's a lot of people like Garnet talking about acclimating to the new earth. And so I saw this all about the frequency and vibration that we're holding. And I saw as people hold a frequency and vibration that's more of a match to disaster, that's the timeline they'll go down. As people hold uh, a frequency and a vibration and an intent and a desire to have more community um, and and sort of been my group this is what they're all talking about getting on the land and creating community that's the timeline they'll go down as people that hold that frequency of acclimating with the new earth that's the timeline they'll go down so there's a few different scenarios available depending on on our frequency and vibration it's not all disastrous for everyone right sue what would you say about that what do they say about that well i guess i don't know um, enough to know if we're dealing with different timelines or different possibilities and probabilities and so i guess i've never put the word timeline to it mm -hmm. when i look at a situation like earth changes and look at various scenarios and possibles and probables with regard to it detail wise it's not as if I'm seeing a choice of different timelines that I've never looked at it quite that way. Um, it's almost to me like steering toward one probability or steering toward another probability, almost like you're energetically nudging it. Um, I've always equated it to if, if you're traveling through time and you've got a split in the stream that you're floating down, which way do you go and how do you decide that? And it's probables and possibles that we look at and most of us take the easiest path. It's not always the best path, but it 
is the one that most people will gravitate to go down. And that's why I've always used the term probable or possible and given a percentage, almost like a weather forecaster. Because telepathically, you'll always have some information that is really strong and just clears a bell. And then you'll have other information that's kind of this, oh, by the way, and you kind of think maybe sort of you picked it up, but you're not sure. And you don't want to get it wrong. And you don't want to make it up. And so trying to go back and understand the whole of what somebody else has communicated to you, either through a channeling or a telepathic interaction with another live being. Um, I always go back and think over conversations, sometimes because I'm so startled by what they say in the now that I forget all of the other stuff that I wanted to ask or was going to try and pick up about. So you just never know what you're going to get when you initiate conversations. And I'm always looking for the little uh, Easter eggs that they throw in, so to speak, into the mix that make you just go, what did he just say? Yeah, I think you're a bit like that on Kat's show too, right? As you Yes, I was a little flabbergasted on Kat's show with the details that they came out with and the information that this particular solar cycle is going to toss us on our ear with its intensity and we've already in the past 10 days had a very 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 lucky incident we had a cme with plasma blew its top on the other side of the sun not on our side right if it had been on our side we would not be having this conversation at all and so how strong and how frequently the sun is, one, building sunspots because we're in a solar maximum, and two, having those sunspots be close enough together that they are starting to interact with each other and then blow their top, and you, it's, it's like a superstorm with plasma and CME and energy. And so <laughs> that's what we've seen so far and especially in the last 10 days. Wow. You said that on Kat's show that they have the technology to intersect some of the uh, coronal Mass ejections. Yes. And uh, I've heard that from other people as well. I can't remember where, but I've heard that same thing, that, that the ETs have a technology um, in the form of, and I think you talked about this, it's like spheres, like big yes. spheres. It's a, a planet-sized, a small yeah. planet-sized yeah. sphere yep. that is not in our light spectrum to see, but we do catch it in silhouette when a CME blows through it or around it. Okay, yeah. And so it's been captured on camera and its orbit calculated, and the close-ups that we can get from our long-distance satellites indicate that the thing has, it looks like a round ball with a ridge around the equator. It's not perfectly smooth. 
and the ridge looks like it might have a ridge in the middle of it, almost like two halves of a spear put together. That's what we know so far, but we also know that if it's near the sun and a CME starts to blow, that the CME becomes attracted to the sphere. And the sphere takes the brunt of it close, uh, close and personal with the sun in a way that is closer than the planet Mercury is. And so it's buying us time. We'll put it that way. Yeah. I don't know that it can capture all of the Earth-directed CMEs, but it's been brought here to try and alter the energy of some of them to buy us some time and buy star nations some time. You have to remember, folks, we have star nations of all different kinds underground in on our planet on any given day. They're in every continent. They like it. They're here. They're trying to not cause trouble. And they are going to be as affected by this sneeze from the sun as much as you and I are. Yeah. And so do they want to lose this place and all the hard work that they've done in the research here for hundreds or thousands of years? They don't want their facility flooded. They don't want to lose their data. They don't want to have to leave their facility due to a disaster. They don't want to have their subjects affected and have to start their research into another culture all over again after they've vested a lifetime in us. And so there is concern for us and their own people on our planet is anything. And do all the star nations here, are they required to have evacuation plans? Well, sure. They know that we have a mess coming. And it could be suddenly very, very intense. It's kind of like predicting when and where a lightning strike is going to hit. Yeah. If you leave it to its own devices, it can be anywhere. If you figure out how to attract it, you lessen the intensity of the storm. And that's what that sphere is doing. I think that it was on Cosmic Disclosure and Corey Good was on uh, talking about this. He said that those spheres, when you go out into space, were all over, um, all surrounding masses of them, surrounding Earth, and um, that they were protecting Earth from the coronal uh, mass ejection. Um, yeah, so I, I, I heard that story before. So it's really hmm. interesting. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, it's nice to hear the collaboration, that the two stories coming from two different, the same story yeah. coming from two different sources of um, information. Okay, has anyone got any questions oh, for Sue? There are more Ponte uh, facilities underground in North America than just here. There's only one information station for the northern and western hemispheres, okay, and that would be this information station but they just within the past week have finally let go of the specific locations of other land-based information stations we got two more this week 
and we've never really pushed, but a Twitter follower asked and they answered and wanted Google Earth satellite imagery submitted along with the response. And that was new. They also identified one of the aquatic facilities that we were kind of aware of, but weren't certain of in the Seychelles, in the islands, in the Indian Ocean. Um, what they did tell us, which was kind of a, an, a weird aside, is that specific star nations on our planet have kind of a historic jurisdiction. The Ponte have always been in the desert southwest. The um, uh, uh, folks uh, up in Asia have always tended to be in the reptilian, reptaran, nagas, sauron sort of species, the Nordics in Northern Europe, et cetera, et cetera. So those nations that had historic jurisdiction over an area, they didn't want an information station that was smack dab in the middle of somebody else's territory. They wanted one on an edge so that it would not appear as if it was that nation's information station only. They wanted it to be neutral. And so in many ways, according to the, the other star nations, the Ponte are considered a very, very neutral nation to speak with. They don't have any real beef with just about anybody. Um, but they also don't do the wars and the battles and the instigating of bad behavior either. They're fairly peaceful people and historically would support a battle if they had to because they're members of the Federation, but it would take a lot for them to initiate one. They would do a defensive move like disarm an attacker instead of injure an attacker. So you would likely see them disarm a nuclear device on board a ship rather than explode that nuclear device and injure this group. Glad you had a question. Fascinating. We do know that you can find aquatic Zetas. They have told us about their species, subspecies, is that the right word? that is aquatic with the webbing and the fingers and other things. Um, but I have not heard of a Zeta reptilian or reptaran mix. That's a new one for me, but there are so many races out there that are so superior in genetics. Could I say that it's impossible? Not at all. So I guess what I would do is what I always do. I try and hold somebody's story or experience that's brand new to me that I've never heard anything like it. I kind of hold it in stasis until I hear another completely separate individual tell me a story very similar, having no idea about the first person. So if I hear the same description, behavior, um, clothing, ship type, uh, behavior type, 
out of more than one earth human experiencer, then my ears really start to perk up and I want to go back and hear their story again in detail because I'm looking for stuff that repeats right now and stuff, things that get verified, even if that verification takes years. I don't want to put anything out there that is iffy. So let me give you a for instance. We've had at least one contactee describe what she calls as a planimal. Okay, a part plant, part animal, floating being with fronds that look like tendrils that moved. It has some overlap with our starfish in its way it looks, but could I say that I've heard of a planimal, a plant animal before? No, I have not, not from any other experience or not in all my years of researching. I did immediately start looking for it and looking it up to see if I could see anybody else that describes it. And so far I haven't found anybody yet. Does that mean her story is false? No, because we've gotten other very, very strong, powerful, credible information from this same woman. It just means that she's the first to be brave enough to report this really strange thing that showed up in her kitchen. Oh, no, I've heard of it. Um, oh, have you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Emery, Emery Smith talks extensively about Oh, the, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Had no idea. No idea. Okay, yeah, well, he, that makes he, me feel better. He was working in the secret space program uh, as a doctor, and he was doing a lot of dissection on just, just thousands of uh, star nation bodies and he came across many plant animal a part animal part plant species and um, biological yeah yeah conscious plant species and um, as you were talking about that I got these images I went deep into the depths of the ocean and looked at um and look, we actually have quite a lot of those in our oceans. And and then you said in the, your next breath, you said, sounds like a starfish or a jellyfish. What did you say? Mm -hmm. um, it reminds me, I think I said starfish, but the image I sent was jellyfish. Yeah, jellyfish, jellyfish. With the tendrils that hang down and they can move. Right. And a lot right. of our corals, you know, they're, 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 sentient they're beings but they look mm -hmm. they're plants so they're that's right they're, they're animals but they're plants so our corals are that you know they're animals and plants at the same time i think they're properly called mixotrophs right i think right, right i have right. to double check that that's a word i haven't looked up in a while but mixotroph you know what i'd or like mixotrope to maybe t-r-o-p-e instead of t-r-o gh i'd like uh, to hear more about the aquatic ponty have you have they given you much? oh um Tiokum, when he first introduced himself to us we talked to him for a year and a half mm -hmm. before he ever introduced us to anybody else but what he did tell us or teach us starting in november of 14 was archaeoplanetography and he started showing us images of dominant species in the ocean and showed us an aquatic zeta. 
And I looked at it and it looked for all the world like a mermaid, only with a ponte skinny body and head. And I went, no. And Tilkin went, yes. Wow. There are some. They aren't a large subsection of the species. But there are some, and they do their explorations on water worlds. Yeah. Emery has talked about the aquatic beings as well. Okay. All uh, right. I have not read Emery. I, it sounds like I need to. Oh, this is all on cosmic disclosure on Gaia. I, um, okay. I, all I right. Watch and it. I haven't watched that either. I watch it religiously. Um, but anyway, they're having a few problems at the moment. They've kind of, it's not on at the moment. But, uh, yeah, he's spoken a lot about the aquatic beings, which fascinates me. You know, Garnet said that in his astral body he met a mermaid and um, and he said that the mermaid looks like looks like the classic mermaids that have been depicted with a beautiful female form and long hair and a fish tail. And I always thought that if there were aquatic beings that have to have skin, that have to have skin more like porpoises, like dolphins, that have to be a rubbery, you know, like you couldn't have flesh you, it just doesn't make sense to me that you could have skin like this and live in the ocean. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Emery's talked about these aquatic beings looking like pretty much like what you say. They they look like um, the Ponte, but they have more uh, gills and webbing and mm-hmm. stuff that can help them move through water. But yes. they're but they're sort of like the skin is more like a dolphin. Then the the eyes. Uh, the nictitating eyelids, the the second eyelid that covers their first eyelid. For the aquatics, it's not dark like the Zetas are, so they don't handle our daylight very well at all. They're used to navigating in sometimes extremely dark ocean conditions, and so they don't need a darkening lens, but their eyesight spectrum is wider and includes more of the ultraviolet um, uh, and um, the other end of the spectrum, um, the infrared, than our eyesight can handle. And so they do really, really well in dark conditions, no matter if they're aquatic or not. Um, He was also saying that when they're up on ships having, having meetings and stuff, that they have um, the ability to be there, but they're sort of like in a container full of water. It's fascinating. We I... have seen transport uh, containers going down hallways uh-huh. with Star Nation representatives in them being escorted by Ponte. And we don't know who all of these nations are. Um, some of them are much larger than us, and some of them are not. Um, but that's where we got corroboration on what, and I don't know who came up with the term, uh, the oily bubble people. Uh-huh. that looked for all the world like a giant soap bubble that's semi-translucent and can communicate with, um, I think it's chromatophores, uh, light-changing cells within its structure, kind of like um, 
a jellyfish that can fluoresce specific patterns on its surface, very, very similar. The oily bubble people normally are aquatic. They can survive up on land. They were present signing the last treaty, wow. the 71 treaty. Mm -hmm. um, and somebody said the, they had a place to be, but didn't need chairs. <laughs> oh my God, it's so Little fascinating. details, yeah. yeah. When I spoke to Susie Hansen about her experiences, as she was electing to come into human form to be a part of what we're talking about, uh, she said that she was given a few choices and one of the choices was to be like a, a sponge-like creature on another planet or a human. And I this is a very different choice. I said, what? And she said the, the similarity between the two lifetimes was the commitment that would be that would have to be made in order to um, wow. live the lifetime. Mm -hmm. Wow, through all the different permutations. Interesting thought process. Interesting. Right. Thought process. You're right. I've had that very same thought process about various intelligent beings and had to have a talk with myself about should I be a vegetarian or should I not? And we were taught by, Otter and I were both taught by several Native American tribal medicine people to offer a plate or a bowl of food to the spirits, a little morsel from everything from every meal and to set it outside with a prayer, inviting them to come take it and partake. They honor and thank the spirit of the buffalo or the cow or the pig or the turkey or the chicken or whatever animal and plant they were going to consume at that meal. They thanked the spirits of those beings, plant or animal. I don't think they cared. They just wanted to say thank you before they started to eat. And so that was their way of remembering to do it and to take an active part in feeding anybody in the unseen world that happened to be around at the time. Mm -hmm. And so thanking a carrot to me is about the same as thanking a fish. And that I don't ask anybody else to look at it that way, but plants have consciousness too. Yeah, absolutely. The Sasquatch are the alphas in the forest, along with the trees and the ancient ones, and not us. And so we ask permission because it's their house, it's their home. I, I always ask when I go in the seawater mm -hmm. every day and um, say, may I come in? Same, I, same I think that the beings and the woodman and everybody else in the forest, because it's so rare amongst us earth humans, and almost nobody does it, that they go, ah, look, one of them weird earth humans asked permission. He's a nice one. Let's take care of him. Yeah, absolutely. And you attract attention, good attention, but you attract attention by saying, hi, my name is so-and-so. May I come into your home? And if you get a no, 
then turn around and leave for goodness sakes. <laughs> Don't try and push it. It's not worth it. Yeah. And this is coming back to the tel telepathy. You know, I was asking everyone to practice telepathy. We can practice it with the water, with the plants, with the rocks, with our crystals, with our children, with the babies, with the pets, with each other. You know, we can practice conscious, telepathic, uh, feeling communication, like feeling the energy with everything around us. It's like there yes. is never not an opportunity to practice being in communion and conversation with the life around us. Yeah. Yeah. I think the phrase that Tani used was walking with a foot in each world. Yeah. Exactly. So you're walking with one foot in your bill paying, got to do the dishes, got to take care of the laundry, got to go to work world. And a foot in the unseen world constantly being aware, being open, listening every moment of every day, just like you listen for a really strange sound in your house at night. It, you know when something's out of place. You'll know when something for lack of a better way to say it, comes into place. That's that goosebump response. That's that physical, suddenly turn your head, somebody's here, I can't see them, but somebody's here. It's that sort of a instinctive body. Your body will know first, your brain will know second. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, we have to practice feeling, feeling, feeling. I think telepathy is more about feeling the energy than uh, receiving the thought. I think that when we get into the telepathy, like I'm going to receive thought, send images, send thought. I think that it's more about feeling, get, get in touch with the feeling, the emotion, um, and, and then send the thought through the emotion. Um, and, Diane, um, do you want also, to, ask I was wondering, I know we have a limited amount of time left. I was wondering if we could, uh, talk about big brother a little bit. Sure. And, um, one question that we were curious about is how long do they live? At least twice as long as we do. Um, it depends on which of the seven plus Sasquatch nations that you're talking about. There are different average lengths of life depending on uh, it the size of the Sasquatch and its own genetics. Um, the conical shaped Sasquatch have a little bit different lifespan than the more rounded head Sasquatch do. Um, but I would say on average, the Sasquatch you would find in North America, that would get to be on average eight plus feet tall. That's the average. It's not the, tallest but it's it is the average uh eight plus feet and 17 18 inch footprints um that size coming in black red brown white blonde um so all of all of our hair colors you will see in the sasquatch to and consistency of the hair because we see some with wavier hair or nappier hair um, and we see different lengths of hair on the face and where it applies or appears on the face. So some Sasquatch, the hairline comes to the bottom of the chin, but really not much other hair on the face. And other Sasquatch nations, 
have hair right up to just under their eyeballs and they're covered. And so some of the rounder headed nations would live probably more like a oh, 75 to a hundred years. Yeah, especially if they're living in rough conditions. But I would say on average, you would double our lifespans easily. Um, it is not impossible to kill them in our dimension and have the body remain. A lot of people we've heard say that the body vanishes once it's shot. Um, that's not the history that we're hearing. The history that we're hearing from hunters is that the Sasquatch bleed like any other mammal and they hurt like any other mammal and indicate that they're in pain and that they can bleed out or they can be have their heart stopped or blood flow stopped going to their brain. All right. All of those, just like any other hunted animal in the wild. Um, so do they migrate? Yes, they, they, they migrate up and down the waterways. And in fact, some of them have cultural traditions of visiting other clans and going to this group or that group in order, sending their adult teenage boys and girls farther afield than their own clan when they're teenagers in order to one learn other cultures and two hopefully find mates in other places so that the genetics stays spread out so they and will they can teleport right uh that's a good question they can suddenly appear all right but can they teleport from say 50 miles away from here to suddenly right in front of me. I have not seen that. I have not heard of that. I have instead heard of them running as fast and faster than a car to get from point A to point B. And I would think if they had the ability to actually teleport, that they wouldn't bother running. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... I have not, I have heard of um, and still have a debate in my head about the orb status and then becoming physically seen. And I don't, I haven't put all of that together yet. I know that when we see Sasquatch manifest from invisible to visible, that we now have at least half a dozen photos that I've seen that are credible, showing the Sasquatch half present, half not. Okay. Some of the photos appear to have been faked. Some of them are photoshopped, but I've seen some credible ones that people did not expect to get that I know. All right. So when these I... guys sometimes come telepathically, but we've had them show up physically, but he hasn't gone out yet either. His whole eyebrow area was white, 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 even though the rest of him was dark brown, black. I'd never seen a patterning like this before on a Sasquatch. And so I thought it was distinct enough that I ought to try and get it done. I got another rough draft that I need to rework and color in of uh, Sasquatch and his wolf pup.
So things in the in the works. I always have several things going at once, and sometimes I'll because I don't get feedback immediately, I'll put a project on hold until I do, until I get nudged to pick it back up again. So I've they, kept you guys long enough. I know that it's late. I'm sure we're way past time. What time is it? My goodness. Oh, it's 36 past. But I get the impression that you make them look a lot prettier than they actually look. Um, I <laughs> I try and make them um, friendly. What they wish to look like on their best days. Right. Okay. If they're in a good mood and they're looking good, they've just had a shower or a bath, then yes. But what I really should do is show you a Sasquatch with longer hair on his not-so-good days because he's full of grass and mud and leaves and sticks and uncombed hair and, and hairs twisted together into a, a, a lock-type fashion and braids and... I would imagine just weirdness. Yeah, that encountering a Sasquatch physically would be a huge uh, assault on our physical senses. I reckon you Not, would never forget the first yeah. time you ever got contacted by a Sasquatch. It yeah. is unforgettable. It is so dramatic. This being is so much bigger than we are. And the smell and no. the visual and the telepathic power. We're not only talking about a powerful voice, but a powerful telepathic presence. Almost like you got somebody with big telepathic lungs. Yeah. I mean, it just, when the Sasquatch show up, my first instinct that I know that they're here is, I want a duck. Right. Because they're so massive. So if you find yourself suddenly out of the blue wanting to duck, telepathic to reach out and make sure you don't have somebody there. Because you don't normally do that instinctive move. That's not usual. And when it happens out of the blue, your body knows first, the brain sometimes gets informed second. So just don't forget what your body instinctively reacts to. I'll tell you something. <laughs> yeah. We've got the so, comments here, people saying, I uh, love the blue colors. Do they have pets? Yes. Yeah, they do. They have, um, they adopted a kitty. Um, it was the chief of security thought was in Florida. And he was over visiting, who is now our webmaster. This was back in 17, I think. And it was not a very nice night. And he heard this sound and he found this tiny kitten all by itself, shivering and wet with dew and cold and hadn't eaten in a long time. And clearly Mama Cat wasn't around and wasn't coming back. And the security chief picked up the, the kitten and said, who are you? And the kitten said, I'm lost. So the name was adopted. So we have lost the kitty at the station. Oh, so this is the Ponty that's adopted the, the, the pet. Ponty adopted a kitten. Oh, okay. And named, and named it Lost. <laughs> that's so cute. I, I think the question was about uh, the Sasquatch having pets. 
Oh, yes. The Sasquatch, definitely. Anytime they have a baby in the forest and they decide that they're not going to eat it, they can adopt it. And fox kits, wolf pups, um, they've been known to try to train ravens and crows. They, we know they use blue jays as observers for them. Um, but as far as pets are concerned, with the exception of a skunk, if they pick it up and decide that they could love it and it's going to love them back, then it's fair game for an adoption. It doesn't matter if it's an otter, an ermine, uh, or a buffalo calf, I guess. It wouldn't surprise me for them to adopt and befriend the wild mustangs that are north of the house. Yeah. But, there are places that, you know. We, but getting back to the agreement of, uh, you know, animals eating animals, I, I suspect they're not vegetarians. So they have a, no. they have an agreement that they're, yeah, with the animal kingdom that they will. Very much. Consume yep. them. Yeah. Yep, yep. That yeah. way. I have oh. not gotten any word from the Ponte on it because, again, it's technology and they can't talk about it until after official after first August. contact. Well, we're in from some exciting times, darling. Ah, we? you aren't kidding. <laughs> we, you know, it's like uh, Earth Show, Planet Earth 2021, 20, 22, yeah, 23. Soap opera. It is a huge show, and uh, whether we all die by a supernova or, or or we move into communities and have technology, you know, who knows? Or radar up. comes and picks us up, and and we'll you know, get on ships and on fly the away. Yeah, we who don't knows? know what they have said, and it makes sense. Is if you make friends because you've studied your telepathy, if you make friends with the star nation. And the proverbial stuff hits the fan and you're in big trouble and you put out a help. Who do you think of all the people in your town or where you live, ETs are going to come. They're going to come to the people that they heard first or the people they've made friends with first. We're going to experience change, guys, and this time it's going to be a big one. So buckle up. Buckle up. We're in for a while. Let's be ready. Let's be ahead of the curve as much as we can be. Well, just going back to the conversation we were having with Alicia, you know, she was talking about uh, the corruption and, and, you know, there's so much going on on this planet, which we're seeing at the moment with control and corruption and and, um, something's got to give. David, thank you. Something's got to give. Uh, so I suspect that, you know, big changes have to happen for things to change. Bigger than COVID. Yeah, bigger than COVID. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're in for some wild times. Yeah. Thank no you. Problem. Thank you so much, Sue, for happy to chat with you and use your skepticism, use your discernment, observe situations closely. If you don't know what's going on, watch somebody's body language. That'll tell you a whole lot of truths right there. Yeah. And develop word. Develop those intuitive skills that the telepathy. Develop the telepathy and, and, and the recognition of something just changed. Mm-hmm. I can't 
say what it was, but something big just changed. Yeah. And that's okay to say, I don't yet know what it was. Instead of saying, it must be nothing because I don't know what it was. Oh, Sue, it's been just amazing. Oh, that- thank you guys thank you. for having me. My thank goodness. you for answering all our questions. Well, and <laughs> yes. if you've got other ones, that's our job is to teach. And that's what our nonprofit was created for so that we can educate people about this. And the more people that learn and become educators for others, the easier and smoother this whole process is going to go yeah. because the average person is full of fear. Yeah. And information and education will help lessen that in the average Jane and Joe that's out there. We know that. And so part of this is our job to inform them when they're ready to listen. You can't force it on somebody. Right. You got to know if they're ready. And that takes a finesse. Yeah. So make them comfortable in your presence. Getting back to grace and graciousness. Graciousness is having somebody else be comfortable in your presence, no matter what their status or who they are. That's a perfect plan. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, everybody, for sticking it out and being here this whole time. I know that was a big, long haul. I surely appreciate it. I need to let you go. And I got to go figure out spaghetti for supper, I think. I got to go make some noodles. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for showing up. Thank you. It was so great.